uh, a faithful Christian is going to live with an eminence view of Christ. And if we're not careful, we're going to say, well, it's been 2,000 years. Why, why do we think Christ is coming in our generation? Uh, because the Bible teaches that he's going to come like a thief. Right? When, the, when we need to understand that as Christians, we must live believing and trusting that Christ can come at any moment. Welcome to this week's episode of the Life Group Leader Podcast. This is Pastor Evan, and I'm joined with Pastor Hayden. Joining. You are joined. I have joined. This podcast. We're here, live in studio. In the closet. Oh, no, no, this is a storage, storage room. room. Here at Compass Bible Church, <laughs> we exist to make disciples of Jesus Christ by reaching people for Christ, teaching people to be like Christ, and training people to serve Christ. And everything that we do here at Compass, including this podcast, is to fulfill that mission of reaching, teaching, and training. All right, well, Life Group Leaders, we concluded the sermon series, People and Promises, which I think with a good crescendo of a sermon, if I may yeah, add. Thanks. I'm not flattering you, by the way. It's no, truthful. Good. It is. Truthful of God's faithfulness. Hey. So which there is go. the title there of the go. sermon. So it reads out of, it's based on the text, Matthew 1, 12 to 17. Essentially, it's the genealogy of Jesus from the deportation to Babylon all the way to Jesus Christ himself. And so... Without having to read the text, Pastor Hayden, your main thrust of the sermon was that the Bible's predictive prophecy about historical events should bolster our confidence in the veracity of Scripture, enabling us to look to God's Word as the final arbiter of truth and embolden us to walk in faith. Before we move on to the points and some helpful insights to the text, uh, I just wanted to ask, what is the main application you want us to take away as this is the main point of your sermon? When we look at, at these names, uh, and as I did my study, and I look back at the historical um, events that they found themselves in, it their, their lives connected so much to the predictive prophecy. They all lived in faithfulness, uh, not in, and even in this particular situation, not because there was a lot of prophets speaking and telling them what to do, but because the prophets had already spoken, which is the same way that we live, according to the book of Hebrews. Right uh, in, in, in the past, God spoke to us in, in many ways, but in these last days, he has spoken to us through his Son. And so we live in a culture where people said, well, what does God have for me today? Like, you know, I want to know God speak to me today. Um, and it's really great as we look at the names in the last few verses, you know, God wasn't speaking in the sense of what you see often in the Old Testament through a uh, burning bush or through the prophets or, or, or through different ways. But we see them speaking. We see God speaking to a lot of those that we talked about in Zerubbabel and throughout the intertestamental period in a lot of the same way we see God speaking to us through his word. And so it was just really cool to point that out to say, hey, it doesn't mean that you have any less responsibility to live for the will of God because he's made it clear in his uh, in His word and particularly through the predictive prophecies of scripture. Well, our life group leaders, we let's dive into the point so that we are best prepared to lead our life groups this week. Well, Pastor Hayden, your first point is for us to let God's promises illuminate God's will for us. And something I noted down Something that you said is that you know when uh, we will be able to know God's will when we essentially when we're studying God's word mm-hmm. and applying it, um, and how like you just said, 
Zerubbabel led people back because he said, all right, 70 years is up. It's mm-hmm. time to go back. Mm-hmm. And he said, we'll rebuild the temple. So it's rebuild Let's the temple. It. How can we then apply that same thinking today as Christians? Well, think about it, even as we, we, you and I talk about biblical counseling often. I mean, is that not all biblical counseling? Is all People have a problem, we meet about it, and they lack a, a wisdom or an understanding or discernment on a given situation. And you have a, a biblical counselor who just simply says, well, what does the Bible say about that? And then all we do is look at the Bible and help apply it to their life to solve their problems, to solve their issues, to help them walk in faithfulness to God. And so really biblical counseling is point number one. Let God's promises illuminate God's will for us. God has a will in everything that we do uh, and all the ways that we live. Um, and it's and there are two kinds of will. I forget, decreed, his decreed will and his uh, uh, per- permitted permitted well i forget i'm not the best theologian ever there's a few there's Is yeah true? there's three there's there his three? revealed will revealed will you, know, you can say it's desirous will what he yeah. wants to happen and then also his hidden will that mm-hmm. it's the day-to-day things that we don't know what's right and that's the one we all want oh the hidden will give me the hidden stuff it's it's hidden like you know it's like but he also has this will that he has decreed is that he is that he has told us and we get the privilege to walk in that because he, he allows us to know it and so many of us won't even spend time focusing on that because we want the, the secret or hidden or, or things that have to do with, you know, uh, things that we can't know. For example, First Thessalonians for, uh, chapter 4, verse 3, for this is the will of God. And you can tell this to your life group, your sanctification. I love that. Like that, you know, you want to know what God wants you to do? Be sanctified. Be, be conformed to his image. And so actually, Life Group Leaders is actually a book that Pastor Hayden and I have been discussing, something I've been uh, rereading, and um, something that might be helpful for your life groups is a book called Just Do Something by Kevin DeYoung, where he breaks down essentially almost your whole sermon yeah. um, but about, you know your God's will for you. Mm-hmm. Be holy. Mm-hmm. Let the pieces fall as they may. Mm-hmm. And why is that a comfort for us to say, hey, I'm just going to do what God calls me to do and let the pieces fall as they may. I said it in the 11 o'clock more explicitly than the 9, but really the burden lies on the promises of God to fulfill his promises. I mean, that that's the that's the freedom, right? I mean, when I say, well, God, I don't know if I want to do that, or God, uh, and, and I talked about it, I don't think I talked about it in the 9, but uh, even the sense that in Babylon, these, uh, the, the uh, Judahites and the Levites and those who went that, that were uh, deported to Babylon, over 70 years, they created a lifestyle. They had families, they had an economy, they had jobs. There's all these things they did. But when God's word says, go back home, they all had to commit and say, well, we got to drop everything we're doing. They didn't, you know, they could say like many of us do, well, I have this job that I, and I have, my kids are in school, you know, or, you know, it's all these reasons why they were planted in that culture. And the reason why, you know, I know God's word says that, but does he understand how hard this is going to be or how much this is going to take out of our family for us to do this transition and to make this move? But no one thinks about that. But the reality is God's word says what God's word said, do it and allow and allow God's promises to, to hold the burdens of the of the practical things of the commitment. What's it going to take? It's going to take a lot, but God's going to sustain because it's his promise we're relying on. And so really for us, it is the the idea of saying, OK, I'm going to do what God's word says because it frees me up to obey God. So I'm living a holy life and the burden lies on God to be faithful to what he's told me. And so then what, how can we practically lead, lead our life groups in this, this week? We might have people who are kind of 
kind of looking for the ethereal hidden will of God or people don't know what to do or the people who are maybe overly confident, how can we lead our life groups well yeah, in this truth? Right. Simply, I mean, it is like reading God's word. And, and I know maybe even a life group leader, you're like, well, they all read, they read God's word every day. It's reading it to apply it. Read to apply, not read to gain knowledge. It's read to apply. So as we're reading God's word, it's like, Man, how do I apply this to my life? Because if you are reading God's Word, even as I'm preaching it on Sunday, you can't even get through the genealogy of Jesus Christ without application slapping you in the face. And so if we're not reading to apply, we're not letting God's promises illuminate God's will. We're just doing a rote practice of, of reading some verses and some chapters in the Bible and not allowing the Word of God to do what God's Word is supposed to do, and it's supposed to transform our life. And so we need to be reading to apply, reading the, the Word may transform us. And so I've heard people say, like, you know, how long do you read the Bible? Well, I read the Bible until it does something to me. Like, you know, I read it. I just keep going. I don't stop just because my DBR is up. I, I want to read because I know this Word is supposed to do something to me because it's the Word of God working through the Spirit of God through the people of God. And so I understand that they're supposed to work together to do something in my life, and that is to sanctify me, to help me walk in, in God's will. All right. Well, Pastor Hayden, your second point was to remove any doubt about the truthfulness of Scripture. And you really dove in deep into the inter, what the Bible has to say about the intertestinal period. And what I love the fact is that you countered the phrase, oh, God was silent for 400 years. He wasn't really, he maybe had been silent with words, but he was not silent in his actions. And why do we need to remember that when we're looking at this 400 years from Malachi and uh, Chronicles to the Gospels? I think something that you can have confidence and uh, really an assurance in is that through this sermon series, you've seen that God speaks and, and, and moved in different ways throughout history, uh, from Adam and Eve all the way till the intertestamental period and even to now. And it wasn't always uh, God showed up in a cloud of smoke and made his will made known. It, it just happened in different ways throughout history. Uh, and in the same way, during the intertestamental times, a lot like our times, that we don't, God's not writing anymore in his Bible. He's not, it's a closed canon. So God's not speaking. But, like we learned in the intertestamental period through the prophecy of Daniel in Daniel 7 and Daniel 8, like God is, is very much spoken about that particular time period. And you can't forget that, because if not, you do like a lot of people do and say, well, I guess God didn't, he just decided not to say anything for 400 years. He, no, he did. He literally unfolded history as, in the world that we knew it and told us who was going to rise and who was going to fall and how that was going to impact the people of God. And in the same way, God has given us a similar instruction throughout the New Testament, not only in just predictive prophecy, but just the special revelation that he's given us in his word that teaches us how to live in life here and now, that the Bible is an archaic uh, culmination of uh, first century or, or, or 5, 6, 8, 12, 15, 20th century B.C. information that is irrelevant to us. It's speaking the truth into the time period that we live in, and we gotta, we got to remove any doubt that the Bible isn't doing that, because it is. Well, in the intertestamental time, as you showed in your sermon through Daniel 8, there is very specific kingdoms God said would rise and fall and mm-hmm. how they would go about it. And even now, he said, this is what's going to happen after I leave, is that there's going to be Gentiles and Jews, but primarily Gentiles, who are going to be repenting and trusting in Christ and being mm-hmm. sanctified. And people are going to have itching ears to listen to things that they want to hear, but stand, you know, stand firm and preach 
in season and out of season, I'm going to be saving people until I return. And so we do see God is still very active, maybe not in the way that we expect when you know people are writing out scripture, maybe like the, the LDS church expects to happen. Um, LDS, you mean Latter-day Saints, the Mormons. Latter-day Saints, the Mormons. Right. They say like LDS call- church, everyone's going to be like, what's an LDS church? There you go, the, the Mormons. Right. But in order to do that, there's some resources that you mentioned. Um, you mentioned we need a good Bible, and we said the ESV is a great translation. That's the one that we use. Mm-hmm. Uh, a Bible dictionary. Which Bible dictionary could they use? There is a lot, you know. And there's I'm, too many. There's, there's, there is too many. I mean, there's a bazillion of them out there. Uh, one I have in my uh, office, the Holman Bible Dictionary. Actually, it's the Revised uh, Holman Bible Dictionary. Uh, I use that one. I use uh, New Bible Dictionary. I mean, there, there's a lot. Harper Collins Bible Dictionary. But I think you'd be fine if you just did. Uh, the revised Holman Illustrated Bible Dictionary. I think that one's a fine, a fine, and you and you do need it because when you read Scripture, uh, there are things that you're just not gonna know about the time and the context. You can you look at a time period or a theme or, or something going on in, in Scripture, and you don't understand it. You can flip open to this Bible Dictionary, and it'll teach you and give you a good place to start. Uh, answering some big questions that you may have about that text. And then you also mentioned to have a good study Bible. Which study Bible could they grab at the bookstore? Well, we have two. We have just the ESV study Bible, and then we have the John MacArthur study Bible in the English Standard Version uh, there for sale in the bookstore. And they sell well. Those two the resources we sell the most of. And you should get one because a study Bible is helpful because it's less than a commentary but more than just the text of Scripture. And so I like a study Bible because when I'm not trying to study hard and I'm not trying to study in in great depth for a sermon or for a teaching, I love having a study Bible because I can follow along with brief study notes about the verses that I'm reading and get enough out of my study for it to be helpful for me even in my devotional life without having to open all of a lot of resources I have that gets me deeper into the text. So oftentimes, your study Bible is going to be enough help to get you through your study, uh, but there's oftentimes where it won't, and that's where you'll need your Bible dictionary uh, and the next and final resource, your, your one- to two-volume commentary that's going to give you even deeper insight uh, that a Bible dictionary won't and your study Bible didn't get you to. The one- to two-volume commentary ought to get you Mostly, mostly in your study personally, unless you just dive deep and you spend a lot of time in study, ought to get you to a place where you feel reasonably confident in what you're reading in Scripture. And what commentary would you recommend that's a good starter for a one to two volume commentary? We often recommend the Bible Knowledge Commentary for our people. It's easy, it's simple, it's not too expensive, and it's only one or two resources. So you don't have to have a library. You just and, and this right here is one, two three, four, five books, a good Bible, a Bible dictionary, a study Bible, and a one to two volume commentary set. So you can have five resources and you can have a really good starter library on how to study the Bible. And you mentioned in several different ways from your opening illustration and throughout uh, the sermon about the importance of knowing God's Word, especially the prophets. How can we as life group leaders communicate the urgency and the importance of knowing especially the prophetic word of God. Yeah, prophecy is hard. 
I mean, PE and I, we talk about that. Prophecy is hard, and uh, it's harder when you don't know the context in which it was it was it was taught or spoken in the Old Testament. So, understanding the Old Testament is going to help you understand uh, where the prophets were speaking in history and how that applied to a lot of times the the situation at hand. Uh, but it also allows you to uh, switch from whatever they're speaking about, and then it transition, and they're not speaking about that. And to understand the prophets is to understand that there is times where they put a pause in and they start talking about things way in the future. And that's where when you get into Isaiah, you got to, as in our, in our DBR even, you've had to understand that we're popping back and forth a lot. Uh, and I, the last half of Isaiah does that often, and it talks about the coming suffering servant and, and what we can expect uh, as that time looms and gets near. But you, if you don't understand the prophets, it's hard to understand even the Gospels because the Gospels, especially Matthew, bring up the prophets. And so you have to understand how they function as we unfold the New Testament and try to apply it to our lives. All right. And your final point, um, actually before that, uh, Life Group Leaders, there is actually a free resource right now. If you remember back in June, Pastor Hayden and I went to the Boise Conference, the National Equipped Conference. If you need resources about anything about the Bible, and you can share this to your life group. If you go to equippedconference.com, all the sessions from that conference are on there for free. And a little bit of a shameless plug for myself is that I did a hour and a half teaching on the power and importance of fulfilled predictive prophecies, where I break down what prophecies are and how to utilize them. And so give that resource to your life group. It's equippedconference.com. All right. Back to the regular uh, scheduled programming. Thank you. Point number three is to focus your efforts on living for Christ's coming kingdom. And something you said, Pastor Hayden, I really appreciate it, is that we can never overlook genealogies, especially this one, because the names of this genealogy are all pointing to one singular singular name, Jesus, not because of what he did in the past. It's that and what he's going to do in the future. Why is it important to remember what's coming and how that affects us today? And how can we communicate that to our life groups this week? The same way in the intertestamental period, uh, the the messianic, uh, their messianic theology as it developed throughout uh, the Old Testament and through uh, the Davidic covenant and how they were looking for this uh, Messiah and this King that was going to come and how that even through the intertestamental period, although they didn't have any more written testament from from God in that period of time, uh, the messianic doctrine continued to. Uh, uh, it continued to permeate that culture as they were all looking uh, for a, a coming Savior. And although there were different groups who believed different things ab- about that coming Messiah, it was still an eager expectation. And many th- believed uh, that they would see that within their, their lifetimes. And especially in the first century, where you see a lot of uh, references in the Gospels uh, of this imminent view of the Messiah even when people said, "Is this is this the one? Is this the is this the prophet? Is this you know is this the one? Or this the guy that we're looking for?" You know, so they were eagerly expecting the coming of this uh, Messiah. And in the same way, like that's the way that Paul preached, and that's that was Paul's. Paul had an imminent view of the return of Christ, and although we're two thousand years removed from that, uh, a faithful Christian is going to live with an imminent view. Of Christ, and if we're not careful, we're going to say, "Well, it's been two thousand years. Why, why do we think Christ is coming in our generation?" Uh, because the Bible teaches that He's going to come like a thief. Right? It, 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 when the when, when we need to understand that as Christians, 
we must live believing and trusting that Christ can come at any moment uh, because that both moves us to great faithfulness and, and, and great fruitfulness. And so we don't sit on our thumbs and have our, have our bags packed waiting on Christ to show up. It's, you know, we're out here being fruitful and faithful as we are living and waiting for the coming of Christ's kingdom. How can we communicate to our life groups or even understand ourselves uh, as life group leaders the importance of eschatology, especially those in our life groups that know what eschatology they might believe? We, as a church, as pastors, we believe in a pre-mill, pre-tribulation, so more of a dispensational theology. There's people out there, Christians, that believe in an amillennial theology and a post-millennial theology. How does that change the way that we live, just if we know what our eschatology is? Well, if you believe that Christ is coming uh, he's coming for his church in a pre-tribulation rapture. That means we don't get to the point of uh, the great tribulation, which means that there's not really a great sign in the pre-trib doctrine that precedes the rapture of the church. And so we understand that that's going to happen. That can happen at any time because nothing has to happen before that in, in, the, in our understanding of eschatology. Uh, and so even that, it's like, okay, man, this is happening. This is happening at any moment. When, when Christ is ready, he's coming. Versus other ideas where, well, this and this and this has got to happen, and this hadn't happened yet, so since those things haven't happened yet, he can't come back yet. Uh, and so we, we have a, a strong belief through God's Word that Christ can come back any time. And our eschatology really is what, what keeps us in, in, our, in our faith, to be honest. I mean, if there is no eschatology, if there is no end times, if there is no belief and conviction about this, what are we doing here? It doesn't matter. I mean, we, we, don't, we, shouldn't, we don't have to be faithful, don't have to be... We don't have to be sitting here even talking about this if we don't have a strong conviction that Christ is coming back for his church. Which leads into maybe the other side of things where maybe we ourselves or the people in our life group that are kind of apathetic about, like, I I don't really need to understand. I just know Jesus is coming back. That's fine. They're all Christians, which is true. Those three different views. You know, it doesn't matter. I'm just going to not care about it. How does that change the way that we live and maybe not in a not biblical way? Well, when you, when you don't know what you believe about the end times, you honestly, often you don't know what you believe about most of the Bible because most of the Bible is interpreted through a lens of something that's happening in the end times. And what you believe about the end times is going to interpret a lot of what you understand about prophecy and what Jesus says. And when he says it, uh, you, that's, and that's a, a big problem when, and I've grown up in that kind of culture. Well, we don't really have a, a view of the end times. Well, that means you don't really have a lot of views and convictions about what's happening throughout biblical history. And so you, you have to learn. And, and even with with a great amount of charity, you know, we have convictions about what we, believe, what we believe about the end times. And we understand other people have differing views. But if you notice, those people who actually have views about the end times, their lives look more faithful. Uh, because they, they look at Scripture as it's all intertwined and not that there are just 66 random books. People who have a, a good, solid foundation of, foundational view of eschatology of the end times, they read the Bible as a story that has us intertwined in the application of God's Word. Uh, and it's those who say, ah, I don't want to know about the end times. I don't know about all that stuff. Well, when you read Scripture and it talks about the end times, you automatically turn off because you have chosen not to have a view of what Scripture teaches about the end times, and therefore you miss applying a large portion of Scripture to your life. 
And I would add to that the, the danger of at least for those who have convictions, if they're post-millennial, they believe they're going to usher in the kingdom. They might be more active in the culture wars uh, in, in some regard. Which proves that point even, right? I mean, if you have a strong belief about being a post-millennialist, well, if you're not out there trying to usher in the kingdom, you are not being a faithful Christian. Right, And then for us, we know that it can happen any moment. So the way that we live is, hey, I need to be making sure I'm making as many disciples as possible, beginning with evangelism and continual teaching. Because we don't know. It could be any moment. But for the apathetic person towards the end times, the danger is that you're going to be living more for this kingdom and your kingdom more than God's kingdom. It's going to reflect in the actions of your life or the actions of your life group's life to go, I care more about this life than I do with the eternal life that's guaranteed. All right, man, we are going long in this podcast. Not it's bad. A, it's not bad. It's all good not stuff. Bad. It's yeah, what happens when it's crescendo. So, uh, well, Pastor Hayden, uh, moving on to the application question direction, what is your hope in uh, maybe guidance for us life group leaders as we lead our life groups this week through these questions? I think uh, you have some really good questions uh, that I'm trying to make more applicable uh, as I've been learning how to write more questions and, and spacing them out and asking simpler questions that compound on top of one another, I think when, when you look at these questions, although they're talking about prophecy, they're always bringing it back to you and what does that mean for you? And so you don't have to get into the prophetic weeds in, in these questions to apply them to your life. And so I, I hope and pray and expect that your group doesn't need to get into the weeds of prophecy to look at this and say, well... It still means something, and we we got to focus in on what this means for us. And so keep it keep it applicational. You know, uh, help people stay within the lines of orthodoxy, obviously, but in the lines of uh, applying this to their lives. All right. Well, Pastor Hayden, we already gave a few resources. We gave it say, hey, get mm-hmm. a Bible dictionary, get a Bible study Bible and commentary. But what are also a couple other resources that you found helpful this week for this particular section of Scripture? Yeah, if you are looking to study the intertestamental period uh, through a a biblical worldview, there's two books that I was was even recommended to me by some friends. And one is what the New Testament authors really cared about, a survey of their writings. That's a really good one. And New Testament times. Say this one more time. Uh, What the New Testament authors really cared about, and then second is the New Testament times. Those are helpful because they, they give you exactly what you need to know about the, about the uh, intertestamental period. I think it'll be really helpful for you guys to study some time that you study a time period that you don't know a lot about, although you know people, Cleopatra of Egypt, Alexander the Great, uh, Aristotle, uh, those people are lived in the intertestamental period. One other resource that I truly enjoy and love is the Moody Handbook of Messianic Prophecy, um, it is a just a rich resource to have on your bookshelf. Buy it, own it, and read through it a bit by bit. And it goes through a whole bunch. I mean, several, if not, I want to say almost 100, but I, I can't quote that. A lot of different Messianic prophecies in the Old Testament and how they point to Christ. So highly recommend that to have that yourself and to point your life group towards that. Um, well, com- uh, Compass. <laughs> life well, group leaders. Compass, Compass Life Group Compass leaders. Life Group Leaders. We have a special new section that we're going to start next week. We're going to announce it, is that we're going to have some, we have to come up with a better name, but right now it's counseling training. We yeah, can we have a clever. training section in this uh, podcast that we leave there when we see a training need. 
Uh, and one training need that we've seen is to help equip you guys to do uh, at least some the basic fundamental counseling uh, for the needs of people in your in your group. And so we are going to start a uh, six-part series. Yeah, a six-part series in helping you uh, counsel people in your group. And so we're looking forward to that. We're going to start that next week. But we have a few announcements before we jump off here. One, uh, we have in the bookstore now a pastor's pick of the month, which is just an, an opportunity for us to give you a resource that we like. And maybe, you know, through a year, you're reading 12 books, at least. I mean, I think that's going to be really good. It's going to help you learn and understand more about your faith and how to walk uh, how to walk uh, the daily life of, of a Christian. So what's the book this month? This month's book is Gospel Treason. And man, we almost sold out already. So we'll have to that's get some more. good. So keep, uh, yeah, keep that in the back of your mind as you come up here. You can grab the pastor's pick of the month. And maybe read it with uh, uh, as a life group and read it with your life group. Sure. Be able to help them counsel through right. a lot of things in that book, actually. That's right. All right. Well, y'all, we have a women's breakfast coming coming up on October 22nd. I, uh, my wife, Candace Jacobson, will be teaching out of James chapter 3. And ladies, this will be a great time to get your life group connected with one another and also an opportunity for you to reach people and to reach other ladies in this community to mm-hmm. get connected not only to the church, but especially the women of this church. So save the date, October 22nd at 10 a.m. All right, last two announcements. One, Exploring Compass the 30th and November 6th, our next two sessions. We want your group, if they haven't already, to sign up for that to they, so they can start serving and jump into the life of our church. And finally, Life Group Leaders, we have a meeting on October the 23rd after the 11 a.m. service, so make sure it's on your calendar, and we'll look forward to seeing you there. All right, Life Group Leaders, we're praying for you, we're excited for you, and all that God's doing in your life group and in our church. We'll see you next week. <laughs>